Hey y'all, welcome back to the God Center Mom Podcast with me, Heather McFadden. Today's a special day. I'm bringing on Paul David Tripp. This is episode 176. Here's a little clip from our conversation. Here's, here's what I want to say to parents that, that I think will be helpful. If your eyes ever see or your ears ever hear the sin, weakness, and failure of your children, it's never an interruption. It's never a hassle. It's never a bad moment. It's always grace. God loves that child. He's put him in a family of faith, and he will expose the need of that child to you so you can be a tool of his rescue and transformation. I mean, that was just 40 seconds. Can you imagine all of the goodness you're going to get in the next 40 plus minutes? Oh, if you do not know who Paul David Tripp is, let me introduce you. He's a pastor, speaker, writer. He's written a great devotional book that I'll mention, uh, New Morning Mercies. He's also written the book Parenting, 14 Gospel Principles That Can Radically Change Your Family. And today we're talking and answering all your questions. You sent so many questions, good ones, over on Instagram and Facebook. He and I focus on some more general concepts so that it's more helpful to everyone listening Questions uh, about heart issues. How do you address heart issues? We may know we want to, but what does that look like? He gives a really, really practical guide for that for kids as young as three years old. How do you get kids to take you seriously without using harsh measures and methods? What if uh, you go to correct your child and they have an angry response? What if you come from a home where anger was used and you don't know another way? Do we need to address every single wrong thing our child does? And what's the difference between discipline, correction, and punishment? Paul does such a great job of giving overarching principles so that you can grasp the big picture and apply it to your every day because your day is going to look different than my day. Your kids are going to look different than my kids. But the core heart issue is we all have sinned. We all fall short. We all need Jesus to rescue us. And when we realize we're not against our kids, it's not an adversarial position, but we're all on the same side and all so grateful for the gospel, the good news that we can't do it on our own. Ugh, there's such freedom there. So get ready to feel a little bit freer after listening to this chat. Uh, Before we get to it, though, I want to tell you about this amazing thing that's happening at the end of September. So September 29th and 30th, Paul David Tripp is going to be hosting a six-hour live event, Friday night, Saturday morning, and you can watch it on demand. So whenever it's convenient for you, your time zone, your calendar, all the way up to October 31st, you're going to get four sessions of a life-changing conference. You can play it on any device. It's perfect for you, your friends, your family, your neighbors, and your church to be encouraged in your role as parents. You basically buy a license to watch it, and then you can watch it whenever you want. If you're curious, you want to get more information, go to godcentermom.com backslash parenting, and you'll get hooked up with that. And make sure you use the code GCM when you do get that license, because you'll get 5% off. Who doesn't want to save a little money? All right, let's get to my time with Paul David Tripp. Here we go. Hey, Paul, welcome to the God Center Mom podcast. It's great to be with you. I know a lot of gals listening have been longtime fans, but uh, I had a gal 
right uh, when I was going through a tragedy last year, give me your new morning mercies devotional. And uh, mm. it was everything I needed in that season. So I know uh, the gal listening would like me to thank you for writing that, first of all, before we even get into parenting. You're welcome. I wrote it for me. You wrote it for you. Good. Well, I'm glad we could all benefit. I write what I need. That's good. That's good. Well, you take scripture and you make it applicable to life. And I'm appreciative of that. And my husband's reading it now and he's loving it too. So thank you for that. But today we're going to talk about parenting. I was in my grocery store watching your Grace Liberates Parenting video from three years ago. And from the grocery store, I called Paul Trip Ministries. <laughs> I was like, I need to talk to this guy. I need this guy on the podcast. So what a treat for all of us to get to have you on the show and uh, share some of your, your grace wisdom and gospel wisdom with us. Uh, but before we get to it, would you introduce everyone to your family, your kids, your wife? So I've been married for 46 years. I pray every day that my wife will not realize what a bad deal she got. <laughs> uh, I have four four grown children spread pretty much around the country. Yeah. Wow. Uh, three three boys and a girl. And where did the girl fall in line in that? She is third. Third. Okay. Okay. Yeah. She was she was given a given given a personality that. Uh, Allowed her to stand up to the three boys. That's good. That's good. And she wasn't first. <laughs> I feel like the girls that are first and then three boys after, they get the mom job a lot more. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that duty. Yep. How many kids were there in your family of origin? What was that like? Four. Four. She came from four. And where were you in the lineup there? I was third. Third. It's the best position. I might be biased myself. I think it's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) You were third. And writing this book, were you writing it from a place of wanting something different from parents than what you had or what you were like as a parent? Or were you pulling from your own experience as a kid and as a parent? Well, I was from a Christian home, but very broken, dysfunctional. Uh, So... I think my zeal, my zeal to write uh, practical things about how the gospel changes the way you approach life is because there was a huge gap in my family of origin between what we said we believed and what went on in our home. Hmm. Were there a lot of wounds that you found yourself healing from over the years? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then I think I think the other motivation for this book was as as I was I have traveled the world over the last many years, having literally hundreds of conversations with parents, I was burdened by what parents understood their job to be and how they would accomplish it. And I was more and more convinced. I had no intention to write another parenting book. I had written a book on parenting teens years ago. I had no intention to write another parenting book, but I was so saddened by what I was hearing that I could not not write this book. And the thing that was missing was the gospel. Mm-hmm. 
the thing that we say we believe was missing in the way parents thought about their role in the lives of their children. I feel like there's been a switch from this strict obedience, harshness, perfection, to then there was grace swing that was like, just let them be and love them, but forgetting the boundaries um, and what grace actually is. And then now gospel has been kind of thankfully brought to parenting uh, as a healthy balance between the two. Well, let, let me let me respond to what you, you said, if I could. Yeah, please. Grace-driven parenting is never permissive. Right. If you think, if you think that grace is permissive, you just need to read your Bible. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the, the, if grace never calls right wrong, if mm-hmm. right were wrong, there'd be no need for grace. The assumption of grace is that wrong is wrong, and that's why grace is needed. So uh, it always concerns me that when I talk about grace in parenting, parents think, I mean, permissive parenting. Mm-hmm. Uh, here, here's, here's what I think is important to understand. That your children need law in their lives. Law has a good function. Uh, law does a great job in exposing sin. Law is a wonderful, God's law is a wonderful guide for your living. But what's important to understand for parents is the law has no capacity whatsoever to rescue and transform your children. Mm. None. Yeah. If all your if all your children needed was a neat set of rules and regulations properly enforced, Jesus would have never had to come. Yeah. The coming of Christ tells us that something more is needed. So so grace is a way of dealing with wrong. Mm. It's not turning your back on wrong. Mm, that's really good. A way of dealing with wrong and I'm so thankful you stepped in and said that because exactly, I think that grace was brought into parenting, but then it was misinterpreted and exactly what you're saying. Everything. Amen. It's Romans. It's Paul, yep. the, the apostle Paul talking about, you know, the law could never do. It could never do what grace could. And so you're seeing your heart is breaking for families. You're meeting with families. What were families telling you they thought their job was because that mom might be listening now and may not even realize. Well, there's a, there's, there's, there's a couple things. Uh, one is I would hear pa- parents that as they talked to me, I could tell what they were doing. They were, they were discouraged and overwhelmed and disappointed, exhausted. And one of the reasons they were is because they were loading the entire burden of the welfare of their children on their shoulders. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And saying, if I don't do X, Y, and Z, my children are cooked. Well, that's a fundamental misunderstanding of your role as a parent. Uh, because no parent has any ability to change their children. Zip, none, nada. Mm-hmm. Again, if a human being could change another human being, Jesus wouldn't have had to come. So my role is never anything more than being a tool in the hands of the one who can change my children. Mm. That's my, that's my job. And so it is my savior 
that bears the burden of the spiritual welfare of my children. Hmm. I have to load that on my shoulders. And he is in me, and he is for me, and he is with me. And it's so important to understand that. Hmm. And then I think the other thing is what we talked about, that parents, parents thought all my children need is just the right set of rules and the right set of enforcements. And one of the problems with that is it doesn't get at the core of what's wrong with your children. If, if all you do is set up a neat system to control the behavior of your children, once your children leave your home, they have nothing. Mm. I mean, every year, one of the sad realities of the church is every year, thousands of supposedly Christian young people go off to residential universities and forsake the faith. Yeah. I would say to you that they haven't forsaken the faith. They never had it in the first place. Yeah, wow. It was it was the faith of their parents. They lived under a, a system of behavioral control. But their hearts were never changed. Mm. And and if their hearts aren't changed, then what what gets revealed later on in university is the true condition of that child's heart. Because it was all outside of the cup cleaning. It was all outside the cup and not getting in. Yeah, exa- yeah. exactly right. And, and that's, what's, that's what's brilliant about that metaphor that Jesus uses is that, you know, he says, you clean the inside of the cup of dish and the outside will be clean. Well, you can't do that with your dishes at home. But, but, but what he's saying is it's only when the heart changes that the behavior will change in a lasting way. Yeah. So I'm meant to be God's tool. These these terms are very important of heart exposure and heart transformation. Tool. Hmm. I can't create that exposure, I can't create that transformation. But I'm looking for opportunities to be God's tool on site to do that. Yeah, and we we asked on Facebook and Instagram for moms to send in questions, and there were several about this particular thing. So I'm going to jump in with a couple of those questions. One was, you know, a lot of moms read the book and they completely agree with all the principles, but they struggle with the implementation for young kids and when to introduce these heart issue conversations um, because it seems like under three, it's very hard to have a, a – a theological conversation, but how would you suggest a child's under three? Where do we start with looking at the heart and not the behavior? So maybe this little principle helps. Okay. Insightful people are not the people with the right answers, but the people with the right questions. So you don't get to the right answers without the right questions. Right. You want to ask good questions of your children. That's what Jesus did with his disciples. Mm. And know that this three-year-old is cobbling together a worldview. It's happening right now. They don't have it all together, but a way of thinking about themselves, a way of thinking about God, a way of thinking about life, a way of thinking about right and wrong, meaning and purpose. My three-year-old granddaughter walks into the room uh, recently and she says to me, Daddy, I'm a girl. You're not a girl. You're a boy. Daddy's a boy like you. Grandma's a girl. Now, I think that's a profound conversation because this little girl is putting together uh, pieces of a puzzle that are helping her to make sense out of life. 
So I want to say to parents, talk early to your children. Of course you can talk theology with a three-year-old. Yeah. A, th- a three-year-old is a theologian. A three-year-old is a, ph- a philosopher. Mm. And, and so, but you want to do that in simple terms. Uh, ask, ask good, heart-exposing, heart-revealing questions. What would some of those be? Because I think for some of us, it's we haven't, I've always heard you have good theology if you can get it down to a level of a three-year-old. So it might be that our own theology is lacking, our own beliefs about God, our own ability to understand grace for ourselves is lacking, which I have some questions on that. But if we're struggling to even get it for ourselves, we only know it at a high, high level and we, we struggle to simplify it. What would be some of those words we could use? So, so I give parents out there something very practical. This will take a second. Okay. But uh, I want to give you a series of five heart-revealing questions you can use with a three-year-old and you can use with a 25-year-old. Fabulous. The first question, the first question, just what was going on? Just, just get a telling of the situation. Don't worry about whether the child can tell you that extensively or not. Just find out what was going on. The second question, listen to the second question. What were you thinking and feeling mm. as, as it was happening? Ask the child to look at their heart. What did that make you think? What did that make you feel? A three-year-old can answer that question. The reason that's a second question, to teach a child that his heart is always active. I can't, I can't have that conversation, but I'm, getting, I'm, I'm teaching the child to think in that direction. Third question, what did you do in response? Mm-hmm. What did you do? Now, the reason that's the third question, not the second question, I, I'm teaching the child that their response is not caused by the situation, but caused by the way their heart interacted with the situation. Mm. We can't have that conversation yet, but I'm predisposing this little one to think that way. Yeah. Notice the fourth question. Why did you do it? An older child, I would say, what you're seeking to accomplish. Uh, I'm getting them to think about motives. Yeah. And then fifth question, what was the result? Consequences. Those are those are very, very simple questions. The first time I had that conversation with my two boys, one was four and one was two, the four-year-old, the two-year-old had taken the four-year-old's truck and was playing with it. The four-year-old grabbed the truck and hit his two-year-old brother over the head. Like you do. Like you do. I've and, seen it every and day. <laughs> <laughs> After I had taken care of that, I I knelt down with him, in front of him and said, what was going on here? He said he had my truck. I said, what were you feeling? He said, mad. No, no that's, that's, a, that's a really important response. Yeah. He's saying, you know, you take something that belongs to me, that makes me angry. Yeah. That's, that's way more insightful than this little boy knows. I said, what would you do in response? He said, I hit him. I said, well, why would you do that? And he said two words I think, again, are profound. He said, my truck. Now, he doesn't, he's speaking better than he knows, but he's saying, if you take something that belongs to me, I will do violence to your body. Hmm. Wow. That's a significant thing. You wouldn't want to be married to that person. You right. wouldn't want that person as your neighbor. Right. There's something broken inside of this little boy. I said, what was the result? And he, with a wavering lip, said, trouble. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but 
what, what I'm saying is it's, it, you want to have those conversations, even if your child only gets a piece because they're assembling pieces. Yeah. Here's, here's what I want to say to parents that, that I think will be helpful. If your eyes ever see or your ears ever hear the sin, weakness, and failure of your children, it's never an interruption. It's never a hassle. It's never a bad moment. It's always grace. God loves that child. He's put him in a family of faith, and he will expose the need of that child to you so you can be a tool of his rescue and transformation. Mm. That's parenting. God's going to expose the need of my children to me. He's going to expose their hearts to me. Grace is about, in that moment, not getting mad, not just throwing law at the child, but asking the question, what right now is, is God seeking to do in the heart of this child, in this unexpected moment, to be part of it? I think that's huge. So much of my early years being a mom, I would get, I would take it personally. Like, what have I done wrong for you to act this way? I was at a music class once and my son hit a little boy and the teacher looked at me and she said, where did he learn that? And I'm thinking, what? Why are we making that assumption that that's a learned and not coming from a place of a sinful heart? I love your example. And you know what it makes me think of is recovery our small group's going through. We're going through the classic, you know, like an AA type thing of a Christian version. And it's this, this is what they're teaching adults to do because they've never learned it. It's to, you have a response. What are you thinking? What are you feeling? (laughs) You know, and what did you do about it? It's literally this uh, graph that we work or this framework that we work through and think through different people in our lives and how we interact with them. And what a beautiful thing to be able to hand that to our children. So that's a part of their processing and all in our, interactions with people so they have that with them to carry them into adult life and aren't learning it as a 40 year old you know and and, uh, you're exactly right and in order to do that you have to quit making it about you yeah yeah it's not about it's not about you the child doesn't get up in the morning and say to himself at 12 (laughs) 32 i'm going to make my life my mom's life hard yeah. And let me let me let me do something here. I think another thing will be practical. If if you personalize these things, here's what will happen. First, you'll turn God-given moments of ministry to your children into moments of anger. Mhm. Yep. Done that. You'll do that. Here's the sec- second thing because you personalize what is not personal. You make it all about you. Yeah. And when you personalize the third thing, You'll be adversarial in your response. Me against you. It's not me for you. It's me against you because I personalize this thing. And then the fourth thing, you will settle for quick situational solutions that don't get to the heart of the matter. Wow. You'll bark angry words. You'll throw out a punishment and you'll walk away. And that child has gained no insight. He's felt no conviction. He has no personal assessment of wrong. He is utterly unchanged. In fact, he may actually be hardened because one of the things that I'm meant to do as God's representative is demonstrate 
that authority isn't an abusive thing and an ugly thing and a hurtful thing. That authority is a patient thing, a tender thing, a loving thing, a rescuing thing, a guiding thing, a wisdom giving thing. Yeah. This, this makes me weak in the knees every time I say it, but I'm going to say it. Every time I exercise authority in the life of my children, it must be a beautiful picture of the authority of God. Hmm. Because my children are born predisposed against authority. They don't want to be ruled. And so I don't, I don't want by ugly, harsh responses to harden the heart of my child against authority. I want to be used to God to, to soften the heart of my child uh, toward authority. I mean, think about it. <laughs> when the, when the three-year-old is fighting over what to eat at dinner, it's not because this child has read the paleo diet book <laughs> and wants to follow a certain diet. Right. It's authority. The child is saying, this is my mouth and you won't tell me what to put in it. You will not rule me. That's, that's authority. And so the way I exercise authority is so important because my child has a predisposition against authority. I'm going to be used of God to soften the heart of that child toward authority because it's been, it's been exercised in a loving, patient, kind uh, way in the child's life. So there was a mom that asked that, how do we get our kids to take us seriously? You know, like with the, any situation where we need to exercise authority, we need, but we want to do it in a gentle way that, that imitates God's authority over us. Um, How do we do that without harsh methods? I think moms are looking for, what does that look like? The child won't eat or whatever. What example you want? So, so volume doesn't help. Mm. You, it just doesn't. Uh, inflammatory language doesn't, doesn't help. Here's what you, here's what you is so important again to get a hold of. And this will frustrate some people. You can't treat parenting as a series of events. Mm. Isolated sort of events. So in this moment, what's important for me to do is win. Mm. Because then you will, you will bring an emotional, an emotional set to that moment and you'll have all kinds of battles of wills. I have to have the long process view of parenting. This is, this moment is one of 10,000 conversations that God's going to allow me to have in the life of this child. And I want this conversation to be a useful conversation. I may not win the day in this conversation. Now, that's exactly the way the he- grand heavenly father works in our life. Mm. Think about this. Yeah. Jesus, in, in, in a single act of grace, invites us into our fa- his family. But we are messy children in need of transformation. And then the process of transformation, of spiritual growth, is lifelong. It's not an event. It's a process. Yeah. It's, you, you just want the nine-year-old to get it. You're like, I've already told you. How many times have I told you? Don't hurt your brother. Don't react evil for evil. You say all the things over and over again. 
so, but what you, you want to look at that nine-year-old and see a 20-year-old who has gotten it. That's what your perspective needs to be. So I want to have a good conversation with this, this child. I want to be faithful and consistent in discipline of this child. But I'm not looking to win the day every time. Because if I do that, I'll crank up my emotions. I'll come on like a storm. The child will crank up his defenses and we'll have this battle of wills between us. Rather, I want to say, what, what further opportunity is God giving me in this moment to gain a little bit of ground in this thing that we're working on? And if it takes God a lifetime to transform me, why would I think that would happen in my child in one moment? Mm. Yeah, I remember the little years, we had a lot more time to talk through these things. And I feel like as they went into school or activities and it just feels like life is moving. I felt like last year in our own home, my constant conversations were, hurry, get ready for school, hurry, do your homework, hurry, get ready for sports, hurry, get ready for dinner, hurry, get ready for bed. And so we kind of shifted some things in our family this fall. And I've already noticed five days in that my kids are more responsive to my authority and my voice in discipline, which I want you to define that for people in a second. Uh, my, my kind of direction when all of our conversations aren't management conversations. Yeah, so so one of the things I think is important is, again, this this may be different than the way people think, but I don't think it's possible to pursue the American definition of a successful kid and parent your children with the gospel at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Because of different models. Yeah. American view of a successful kid is not only does he need to be a straight-A student in school, but he needs three instruments and four sports, mm-hmm. or, he'll, or he'll be a defective human being. And he needs to start his SAT studies at 11. Right. Well, what that sets up is this ridiculously busy schedule where you're barely able to say hi, goodbye, and eat your hot dog to your children. Yeah. Uh, you, have, you have no time for any kind of meaningful relationship with them. And, and I would just ask parents to, to think about this question. What system of values determines the schedule of your family? Yeah. Maybe we need to say to our children, no. You must choose one of those activities. You can't be involved in all of them. Mm-hmm. And trust God that he's got a path for them. We're not going to orchestrate this trophy child through making sure they don't miss out on something. I think there's this parenting in fear, parenting by peers mentality that. Oh, absolutely. And it is, it is too much about my identity, my yeah. reputation, what people think of me, uh, and and listen, these children do not belong to me. They're not they're not trophies on my mantle. It's not about what I want for my children and what I want to get out of my children. It's it's not. It's it's what God wants for my children. And so again, what set of values determines the level of busyness of our family? I mean, 
I just think we need to slow down. Yeah. So you are with your children. So there are time to have meaningful conversations. I don't need 45 minute conversations, but three minutes that you have regularly because parenting is just ordained by God to be an endless conversation. Yeah. So good. Well, and I I wanted to get back to that discipline because that's one of those words that for different people, that triggers a lot of different thoughts of what that is. And one person asked, how do you distinguish correction versus discipline? Is there a difference? So I think there are, I think there are three words that need to be in the parents' vocabulary. And I think we use these words in messy, confusing ways. And so the, the overarching thing that I'm doing with my children is called discipline. It is my work to bring these children in under God's way of living, to, to discipline them into the right way of thinking and the right way of acting. That's, that involves instruction and a whole lot of other things. Discipline is not just the moment when they're in trouble. Uh, uh, an example of that is, is all the instruction and exercise and practice that goes into disciplining a team so they now can function in a sport arena as a single unit. Mm. So everything I'm doing is to bring children, my children, under the nurture and discipline of the Lord to understand God's way and not just understand it in a truth way, but in a practical living way. Underneath that grand agenda of discipline are are two other aspects. They're, they're, They're elements of the big thing. One is correction. That's my zeal to announce wrong when there is wrong. I, I, I must have a corrective posture with my children. And, and correction means not only do I announce wrong, but I declare what is right in those moments. And I hold out for what is right. And, and that's why permissive parenting doesn't work because our children are in massive need of correction. Uh, there's a third word that I would use, and it's the word punishment. That there, there is, there are consequences to, to what is wrong. You could call that punitive discipline, although I don't really like that term. Uh, it's it's those moments when the child, it's a it's a rightful thing to save the child because you did this. This is going to be the result. Uh, so the child begins to realize that it's not an open game, that life does have consequences and wrong has consequences. So, so when I think of discipline, I don't just think of, okay, you're grounded. Mm. Discipline is the over, it, it is your job description as a parent, it's what you're doing. Yeah. 
there are moments when it's corrective discipline. There are other moments when it's the when it's the the discipline of consequences. But it's all part of this agenda to bring my children under the a lifestyle of the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now I, I I hope as I do that my prayer is that God will work conviction in their hearts, that conviction will produce a desire to change, and they will seek God's help and they will then of their own will want to live God's way. Really good. And I have one question that fits in with that from a mom who says, what if you personally, as the parent, struggle with hurt and pain from your past when you're trying, when you're doing the correction and discipline and parenting and your child spews anger back at you? How do you deal with your own hurt? Or I would think even, what if you come from a, a background where harsh measures were used with you and you struggle to stay calm because your habit from your past is uh, harder to break. So I guess those could be two different questions. Yeah, yeah. I, I have a couple of responses. First of all, I don't expect my children to be compliant. Mm. Mm. I mean, if, if you understand what the Bible says about the nature of sin, I expect my children to rebel. Yeah. I don't expect them to to always want to do what is right. I expect them at moments to be deceitful or devious. So I'm not shocked when that stuff is going on. I think sometimes parents are shocked because they have unrealistic expectations. And they haven't taken seriously what the Bible says about the nature of the sin of of our hearts. Uh, So that's the first thing. Don't be shocked when you correct that they're going to flip out and think that you then need to correct no. that response. You aren't re- stick with the original issue. Yeah, you, you, I mean, you're, it's 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 bound to happen. Yeah. Okay. The, 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 the second thing it's important to know that that pushback is not about you. Mm-hmm. If you would put any other authority figure in that child's life asking the same thing, they would respond the same way. That response reveals more about the heart of the child than it does about you. It actually, that response is more vertical than this horizontal. Mm. Mm. Because that rebellion is really a, a rebellion against God. It's God's authority that they're rebelling against. You just happen to be God's representative on site. But the problem is with God. And I know for for me, like out of four boys, I know some of them, it's more external rebellion and some it's more internal. So they may be compliant on the outside, say, sure, I'll sit down. But I'm like inside, I'm like angry. But for all of them, it is really hard to surrender that and say, this is an issue with God and, and to let them walk through that rebellion process is very difficult to kind of let it go and not let it be personal and to pray that whether they have to walk through a train wreck with grace that God would capture their hearts. It's very hard. And I think there's, there, there are really important moments to, to just tenderly say to your children, you know, your problem is not with me. Mm, Yeah. It's not because 
what I'm doing in your life, I'm not doing just because I want to control you. I'm doing it because it's what God says is right. And all you need is the doctrine of creation to know that we don't belong to ourselves. So the third thing I I would say that I think is really important to say to in answer to this question is if you're going to be a tool of grace, you need grace to be a tool of grace. Mm. Yeah. Uh, because here's 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 what happens. It's it's my heart that gets in the way of my trying to be a tool of heart change in the life of my children. You know, it's it's Tuesday night, ten thirty, and the children I put to bed at nine o'clock are now fighting their beds. I'm probably not walking down the hallway saying, Thank you, God, for this <laughs> wonderful opportunity to be an instrument. In these children's lives, even at this late hour, right? I'm probably stomping down the hallway saying they're dead. <laughs> yeah. and, and I burst in the room and I say all kinds of ridiculous things to the children. And as I'm screaming at them, my children are probably not saying, my, this is helpful. <laughs> this is truly a wise person. Did you put a camera in I my house? I think I'm seeing my heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, I, uh, listen, yeah. I, I, I want to give my own confession, it is all the things that tenderness and patience and consistency and faithfulness that God calls me to as a parent is absolutely counterintuitive for me. Mm. If you come from, from a great home, you probably carried a lot of self-righteousness into your parenting Mm. because you think you know a lot of the things that you don't know. Uh, and you think you are somebody that you're not. If you came from a broken home, you probably carried all kinds of anger into your parenting. I mean, there's none of us that are free from the need of grace. And if I'm going to parent the way God has called for me to parent, I need to be rescued from me. Hmm. And so, and so I want to encourage parents every morning when you wake up in the morning, just Pray, God, I'm a parent in desperate need of help today. I pray that you would give me the help that I need. And I pray that when it comes, I would gladly receive it. Mm. Because that's, that's all of us. Yeah. Uh, I don't like to have to repeat myself. I don't like when you push back against something that I know is good for you. I don't like when you argue against what is true. And so parenting is a massive spiritual warfare. And there's, there's no set of, of five suggestions that's Mm going to liberate you from that war. None. Mm -hmm. That's why you don't, that's why you don't have that somewhere in the Pauline epistles. Here are seven steps to easy parenting. You just don't have it. Yeah. It's every day I get up and I know I'm being called to something that I can't do. Mm-hmm. But God can. And he can enable me. And he never turns a deaf ear to my cries. And he forgives me when I mess up. And he never mocks my weakness. 
He never throws my past in my face. He never turns his back on me. He never gets disgusted. He's always forgiving and ready to empower me once again to do what he's called for me to do. If I didn't believe that, I I wouldn't have written the book and I surely couldn't cope as a parent. I think we need that little clip (laughs) on repeat, not just in the morning as a prayer, but 30 minutes later when something happens, 10 minutes later when it happens, because yeah, that is, that is it. One, several moms said they read the book and they're nodding. They're like, yeah, yeah, this is great. Maybe it's even during nap time. They're reading the gospel principles. Yes, absolutely. They walk out and the kids smeared poop all over the bedroom. (laughs) Like, okay, here we go. Within minutes, I just read this, agreed with Paul, and now we've got poop on the walls. Uh, and so, so here's here's what I want to say about that. Yeah, there's a couple words just a practical advice. Get out of the room and get a hold of yourself. Mm, calm yourself first. Yeah, go into go into another room and just pray. Yeah. See, yeah. God, I'm angry. I, I hate this. Yeah, I hate poop. <laughs> Help me. <laughs> Uh, yeah. The, the other the other thing is, pick your shots. Mm. If you are not emotionally able to deal with this thing, here's you you know, God loves you and God loves your child. You're living with Him. Trust me, you'll get another opportunity. You don't have to address every single correction opportunity, is what you're saying. Well, be, because there are times not in the place to do that. Yeah. And so rather than doing it in a wrong way, that will cause us to lose massive ground because I was just a vindictive, crazy person. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I, I know that God loves my child. He's going to reveal their heart to me one more time. I'll get another opportunity. Mm, that's that's where the process mentality is so important. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're in a public situation, for, for, for example, you don't want to lose it in a public situation, maybe compromise your ability to parent your children because somebody calls somebody on you, or needlessly embarrass your children in public. Maybe that's not the time to deal with this thing. Mm. And so, again, when, when you understand God's patience, and God's uh, commitment to process, it allows you to be patient and be committed to process as well. So good. Oh, my goodness. I really could talk to you all day, but I'm guessing you have other things to do. Uh, <laughs> I'm I guessing do. you have a life, and I know you've been traveling, so you probably are still in another time zone and might need a nap. Uh, but we, I mean, truly honored to get to chat with you. And I know I'm going to be listening to this on repeat. I need these reminders. Uh, I think this book is one I just keep rereading. Just it's going to need a soak uh, into our bones and our soul. And just so that it comes out more naturally. And I, uh, if anyone wants to connect with you, where can they find you online? What's your site? Well, uh, paultrip.com. Okay. I also, uh, at, Paul Tripp is my Twitter thing. I tweet the gospel every day. That's all I ever tweet. I, I also have an app. You can get it on the App Store. Uh, it's PT, and that has 800 gospel resources on it, all kinds wow. of things for your personal life and your family. 
Uh, I have a very active Facebook presence. Again, just all kinds of free gospel resources. So I'm, I'm really committed to put practical gospel things in people's hands. So cool. And I've already shared with people, I'm going to share again with the live event coming up. But if you want to put a little plug in here personally, why you're excited about it, that'd be awesome. Well, I just, I just think that we need to have this parenting conversation. And this is one that's just available. And if you live in the United States, it's available to everyone. Again, you can go to my website and there's going to be a live stream event in September. And you can click in and uh, get some practical help for your parenting. It's going to be great. I'm excited about it. I'm hoping my church will host something because it's a great opportunity mm. to have this conversation with the people that you do life with. So, Yes, that's right. All right. Thank you, Paul. Have a great rest of your day. Oh, you're welcome. All right. Bye. God bless. Boom. Okay. If that blessed you at all, which I'm telling you, just soak him up. Go watch that three-minute video or that, I mean, my 10-minute video from three years ago. Uh I'll put a link in the show notes to it. The the more you can get, the more you can get of this gospel parenting message, I think it's going to change things for faith and Christianity in our homes and free us from this lie that we need to get it all perfect and follow the law perfectly. Oh, we have been set free from that. Um, And yet there's so much good that we can do by following in Jesus's footsteps and imitating how he treated people and how he loved well. Um, So share with your friends. If they've never listened to the GCM podcast and you were like, I've been wanting to share it with them, but I didn't know this might be the one. This might be the one to share with them. Uh, And make sure if you have a, you know, a church that's willing to host that live parenting event that Paul David Tripp's going to be putting on September 29th and 30th, yeah, send them the link, godcentermom.com backslash parenting. Use that GCM code to get 5% off. Uh, it might transform your church community and, and more gospel parenting. I want to throw out an idea real quick. I'm putting it here at the end of the show because <laughs> I'm going to see. We're going to see how this goes. I know there are so many, so many talented women that listen to this show that for one reason or another, have put aside careers or maybe are doing a different career than they'd really like to be doing. So I'm going to, I'm going to throw some out here, a little contest of sorts. I am looking to get a new logo for the podcast. I'd like for it to have on it the GCM podcast and the tagline, don't mom alone. Now, I would love if y'all would send to godcentermom at gmail.com your entries with the subject line GCM logo contest. And I would love to pay the winner $200. I'm not even kidding. This is not a joke. We're going to try this out. I may regret it later, but I don't think so. I honestly think those of you that listen, those of you that make it this far in the show are my people. You have stuck with me. You know the heart, my heart. You know what I'm about. You know um, the feel of the show. And for you really talented people, I know you can translate that feel to a graphic. I am not talented at this. And my mantra for this school year is to ask for help and use 
the gifts of the women around me to make my life easier and to bless these women. Don't do this if this adds stress to your life. Like I told a young mom uh, last week, the way to make a decision, if it blesses your family, it's a yes. If it stresses your family, it's a no. If this blesses your family to participate in this contest, then come on, bring your skills, bring your talents. Uh, It needs to be in a square format. I will tell you that. And you have to be willing that, like, I might find one that I like, but I want to tweak a tiny bit. Um, Be willing to be open to that. Um, Know also that, obviously, I can't pick every single one. But, if again, if it blesses you to just work on it and have something to work on, great. But please know my goal is not to hurt feelings if you're not picked. Um, But once again, I would love for the logo um, to be the GCM podcast with the tagline, Don't Mom Alone, all on the graphic. And that Don't Mom Alone, I originally started using it with the podcast club, but I'm feeling like it's really the heart of my show because I have a lot of mentoring. So I don't want you to mom alone without a mentor. Uh, Friendship and community is really important. That's why we started these podcast clubs. I don't want you to mom alone and be isolated. I've done that for years and it is not a fun place. Sometimes in our pride of motherhood, we don't want to admit that our kids are a little messy or we're a little messy. And so we pull back and we remove ourselves from community. So there's that. And then don't mom alone. That's the heart of God Center Mom that God is with us, that he is doing the work. We do our part and he is sovereign to do his part. Um, So that's the heart behind that little tagline. Um, Send your entries to godcentermom at gmail.com with the subject heading GCM logo contest. All right, y'all, we're going to go do be gospel parents. I mean, aren't you just pumped up after this? I'm going to be sharing some of his great quotes from this episode over on Instagram and Facebook this week. So keep an eye out for those. But I will tell you, I am like not on my computer very much now that I'm homeschooling two of my boys and I'm not able to be on social media very much. So I guess that's a good thing and a bad thing. I don't get to reach out to y'all as much. Um, If you love a quote, I will re- I will share it. It takes away the work for me. And I love that y'all are sharing quotes that you love. So um, I did that this last week. It's super helpful to me. Uh, All right. That's it. Go and be gospel parents who understand that God is with them, that God is for them, and that God is doing a work in your kids. He has a long process plan for all of us. Let's keep it in mind. All right. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to GodCenteredMom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and he is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.